Welcome to Just in the Nick of Time, bi-week edition. Bi-week edition. Yes, fresh off the uh, round one of the Mickey Joseph experience, where we learned, in fact, that uh, you cannot save a team that lost to Georgia Southern in one week with the new coach having a top 10 team rolling to town. But given recent events, that top 10 team is no longer a top 10 team. Transition I thought of just now. And, uh, sure. uh, well, I get, where did this, this came from me last week being frustrated with the after week three AP poll. Yeah. No. And to be fair and transparent, I like this week's a lot better. Um, but we decided, why don't we do an AP poll? There are all kinds of polls that are meaningless. Uh, why not add another to the world? Yeah. Uh, and so we have. <laughs> that's, that's the whole show. That's the show, folks. We. <laughs> uh, it, it is awesome that, like, you know, college sports in general, but especially football, more so than any other sport. I mean, there's probably others that I haven't, like, gone too into the weeds with, but uh, is dependent on polls, on uh, an unexact science of a group of cross-country journalists using numbers and opinions to decide who is best rather than, you know, an objective criteria of on-field results. And I think that's kind of stupid. You know, I've limited about the the loss of sports quirks before, and this is a very funny sports quirk that uh, having a number next to your name means something. They could very well not mean in the coming weeks. So I I think we should embrace this for the poll uh, culture, for all of its flaws, and uh, add another one to the fray, because while the poll culture is awesome, it needs fixing. All right. So, yeah. Do we want to give sort of a preface on... Your philosophy and then my philosophy regarding how we decided to do this. Absolutely. I, I've been uh, developing a, a preface all day. So, Hit me. so one of my uh, career goals is to, in fact, earn an AP poll vote. And uh, my secondary career goal to that goal is to see how fast they take it away from me because they don't like the truth. And because I should be the arbiter of every decision made in every sport ever, uh, I think that the way we're doing polls is wrong. So I've developed my own way, which has like a few core tenets to this philosophy. The most important being don't assume what you don't know. I think, you know, <laughs> We pay a lot of attention. My poll kind of does this, but not that much to uh, the name, you know, the school's budgetary potentials, college football, you know, what they've done in years past. Factors like that, you know, the brand name of it. But uh, I don't think what you do outside the vacuum of the games itself should matter at all in the poll. Potential shouldn't matter until it's proven. Don't assume what you don't know. So, due to that uh, uh, first factor, all undefeated teams are automatically ranked above one-loss teams. 
because I don't know that these teams are capable of losing a game yet. I know that for all the teams that have a loss already. And that brings it to my second point, which is also kind of a third point. Everything will be all right in the end. I guarantee you that with my philosophy, uh, the end of the year rankings are going to look pretty much the same as most, you know, actual poll voters have. I just take a different route of getting there. And three, last week does not matter when it comes to this week. Poll inertia is the worst part of this aspect of our sport. The fact that a team can have a really bad loss, but remain ranked due to them having a good preseason ranking and be like, oh, that loss was bad, but it's not dropped them 18 spots bad. Yes, it is. We should start new every week. If you're, it's okay to be wrong, okay? <laughs> like, there's a bunch of stuff that's going to be wrong on my poll, but you know what? I'll do it again the next week and see if anything turns out to be correct. So, those are, that's where I'm coming from. I think uh, objective criteria only is uh, determined for, you know, putting teams above other teams. And that also includes two teams with similar records. This will come into play later in the year. They have the same record, and one team beat the other team. Uh, that team is always ahead of the other team that they beat. I don't care. Head-to-head matters. I don't care if they have a worse loss elsewhere. How about win the game? Okay, so that's it. And then the other thing is uh, I'll explain this when we go through the rankings, but how I divvy up the teams that have the same record is just a uh, just some amalgamation of uh, quality wins, how dominant they have looked. Like, have they come close to losing any games they really shouldn't have? And uh, vibes. Vibes are a big factor in this. Vibes are massive. Yeah. Vibes are most of the way that I, I constructed mine. I mean, so I truly can't tell you how important vibes are. Um, Massive. To my philosophy. His vibes are the ultimate tiebreak in my mind. Like, a vibe is an amalgamation of many actual things that add up to nothing. A vibe is a disappearing act of data. Right? I know all of this data, not all of it, right? Justin is a much more, like, Justin has trained and thought about sports in a critical way more than I have. My philosophy on this is that it should be treated similarly to the Formula One driver of the day vote. The thing about Formula One driver of the day votes at the end of a race is someone could have come from 20th to 1st, but if they did so in the best car on the grid, that is not the best driver of the day. What I am looking for was the best team, right? So vibes mean, like, okay, maybe you haven't played everyone or played anyone of meaning yet, but have you crushed every meaningless team so far? Vibes! Mad vibes. I cannot assume that you are going to Bo Pelini until you do, in fact, Bo Pelini on me. Absolutely. Right? Until you do. Let Wisconsin hang 60 points on you and let Melvin Gordon set a rushing record on you. I don't know. I do not know. So I can't assume that you will, right? This is about predicting the future. 
This is not about assuming the future. And I think that the conflation of those two things is what makes the two of us so mad at the poll. The other thing is, and I wish more people recognize this, polls don't matter. Polls do not matter until the last one. Yep. And the last one only matters in one poll, which is the CFB rankings, which I suppose are a ranking and not a poll, but they're really a poll. Yeah. It, it's, it's a poll of 12 voters instead of like 48. <laughs> 12. I think is bad. I genuinely think that is bad. Right. If, if like you want to have a better ranking, add more data points, have the AP voters vote for the CFP. Having a separate poll was never necessary. Yeah. The, the BCS was very flawed, but like, I like its idea better than a, we have an extra special chosen few that are going to decide the, the actual rankings of the things. Whereas the BCS was a, here's the already chosen few plus a few computers we're friends with. And then <laughs> that all goes into super secret KFC herbs and spices and comes out in the BCS poll. Not great, but I think it's better than what we have now where we have athletic directors deciding this rather than, you know, newspaper nerds, which I, as a member of the latter category, uh, think is wrong for mostly selfish reasons, given that I think I should decide this myself. But <laughs> I, I can't tell you how horrific it is that athletic directors are deciding this. Think about how many ulterior motives you have as an athletic director to make these decisions. Yeah. Your loyalty your school, you're loyal to your conference, you're loyal to the teams that you have played in the last five years. You're thinking about teams that might want to poach your coach and you're thinking about tanking them. You're thinking about like that is I seriously think one of the huge barriers to entry for the group of five into this formulation of the playoff. Right? Yeah, like, I, 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 I think so, they have one representative on the council. Yeah, one out of 12 is a lot less love than they get in the AP poll, or at least than they could potentially get in the AP poll. Because here's the other problem. The AP poll then just starts to try to mimic the CFP poll as much as possible. Oh, I hate that. I hate when outside influences make their way into my clean, pristine, uh, beloved AP poll. Like... Just because somebody somewhere else disagrees with you does not, not mean you have to reflect that self in your ranking. As a matter of fact, make schism greater. You're the person who can write about how their system's wrong. What's CFP Commissioner Gary Barta going to do? Rail against you, you know, <laughs> for ranking the teams in a different way he thinks? He has way more power than you ever could. And to be fair... Jesus, like, Notre Dame has two members on the selection committee. Oh my god, you're kidding. That's hilarious. We have Athletic Director Kentucky, Athletic Director Wyoming, Athletic Director NC State, Athletic Director Colorado, Navy Athletic Director, former head coach of Ohio Wake Forest and Baylor, Michigan Athletic Director, Former Nebraska offensive lineman Will Shields, Kansas State athletic director, West Virginia vice president for athletics, 
Harvard junior fellow and former All-American lineman at Penn State, John Urschel, the group president of Energy Corporation and former Notre Dame linebacker, an associate sports media and journalism professor at Montclair State University. That's the chosen few. That's a nightmare. <laughs> With all due respect, why? Why them? What have they done? The only through line is attachment to a blue blood in the 90s. Yeah. Like Will Shields. NFL Hall of Famer, I think. Kansas City Chiefs Ring of Honor member. One of the greatest Nebraska linemen of all times. Why? Why him and not like Dave Remington? What does Will Shields know that we don't? Hashtag put Jason Hahn on the playoff committee. Um, put Jason Hahn on the playoff committee, mostly because he would hate the job and just quote Foucault the whole time. <laughs> That's how it should be. You should hate your job if you're like a CFP, you know, selector. <laughs> you should be in constant fear. I think it should feel similar to like the priesthood where it's like a vocation that takes you seven years of classes that take you to like Maryland or Pennsylvania to learn about. And, like, you can't have a family and you can't have another job and you really can't think about other things. You just have to all the time think about college football. Yes. No, I'll go a step further. This should be like a – what do they call the places where monks live? It should be like that. Like, the 12 should – Like, lock them up and make them only do this, make gilded manuscripts and, and like, make beer. Yes. Absolutely. I should (laughs) – we should have, like, an overseer to make sure they're, like, actually doing their job. But, like, I need a detailed report on everything that happened in Conference USA. Because you should not be allowed to think about anything else other than this if you're one of the 12 chosen few. And I want that to be, like, a manuscript. Like, I want it to be, like, the Book of Kells where there are, like, gold inlays and, like, inks that you pulled out of a flower. But more importantly, I think the Pope needs to run it. Oh, certainly. Now, we already have two Notre Dame members on the board. What, what yeah, no, we're already rife with Catholics around here. Like, you might as well. And to be fair, like, we, our, our poll, 100% raised Catholic. Yeah. So, you know, both graduates of a local Catholic high school. I mean, I think, listen, Catholics are very good at categorizing. Yes. Like, it's organizing stuff. Figuring stuff out, ranking things. You could make a, a, a power ranking of all Catholic saints. We have, we have discussed that as a potential show topic, but no, the Catholics love to classify things. There's like seven hierarchies of angels, you know. I don't know what else they've ranked, but they've ranked stuff. Someone out there has like yield power ranking of apostles. Yeah. But no, now that we've, now that we've, I feel like, <laughs> like the deep dark influences of why we are obsessed with ranking things. But, um, no, I, is it, is it just time to jump in? Have I sufficiently talked about, okay, head to heads matter. I, I, and I think that really mattered re Texas A&M for me. Mm. 
Because I actually think in my gut of guts, the vibes told me Texas A&M is a better team than I am ranking them here. But I cannot consciously rank them any higher than I did. Because of head-to-heads and because of, like, some really concerning vibes. When I, like, you know, okay, you know what I'm going to like in this whole process, too? You know when the Greeks would, like, rip open a squirrel to tell the future? (laughs) This feels really, really similar to that. Yes. No. Instead of, like, the super serious selection show where it's, like, Reese Davis in a suit, you know, with fancy graphics, they should just go to the tallest building you know, in some general area and just have all representatives of all the teams gather. You have like a bugle trumpeter and you send out a messenger boy with, who does the hear ye, hear ye and just rolls out a long scroll of 25 and then they throw tomatoes at him. I volunteer to throw tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And I will say, uh, before we get into the rankings, one thing I probably should mention with mine is, uh, as part of my first rule, uh, I don't consider, uh, would this team be a team below it when ranking these teams? Because I don't know that because they haven't played yet. So, this one is mine because I, I think that's a part of yours, but that's not a part of mine. This is a part of mine. Have you looked at mine at all? I feel like you're probably getting a feel for like how my yes. general decision. I'm staring at it. Yeah. Which is less radical than yours, but still, I think, like, radically different from the way... The way I got there was pretty different, I think. Yes. No, there's definitely some discrepancies between yours and the AP poll, which is exactly what we're trying to fix today. So, without further ado... We're going to provide an alternative view. We're We're like poll Protestants today. We will, in fact, be tacking this upon the door of every conference office. Um, Shoot, we should have ranked to 72 then. Oh my god. (laughs) You're correct. But, um, would you, I say for at least the first five, we go one by one and explain our choices. Yeah, I don't feel like it's gonna, (laughs) I I don't think the disagreements are that much in the first five, but here we go. I'll go first since I'm talking. Uh, I think let's just list off one through five rather than go one by one. Uh, my number one team in the country this week are the Ohio State Buckeyes sitting at 4-0, a very crisp 4-0. They just destroyed Wisconsin. I get that this isn't like a super good Wisconsin team given that they lost to Washington State, a team that tries to lose every game regardless of how good they are. I love them, but, uh, they trounced them. They dropped 77 on Toledo, which is just an obscene number because it's the same number twice. Like, that's crazy. And uh number two is Georgia. I think that win against Oregon might be the most impressive win any team has this year. That should have probably made them number one, but they let Kent State hang around. Kent State, a team that scheduled Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia to open the year, had their best showing against Georgia. That doesn't really bode well for y'all, but because of that Oregon victory, I'll allow it. Three is Clemson. The the Wake Forest win really cemented that, and the opening blowout of Georgia Tech, who gave who has given a lot of teams fits before. Clemson just they got their coach fired essentially. That's how bad they beat them. Number four, here's my 
big blazing hot take. The 4-0 Kansas Jayhawks, one of the highest rated offenses in the country, a team that's offense was so good they made two Houston players fight each other, two Power 5 wins, one win over a team that's going to become Power 5s very soon, and my personal Heisman frontrunner in Jalen Daniels. And number five, Tennessee. Bunch of blowout wins to start the year, and an obvious better team performance against Florida. Excellent. I love it. Okay, what puts Ohio State over or over Georgia for you? Because I thought long and hard about this. And by that, I mean I thought for two whole minutes about this. It was just that Georgia, you know, struggled to put Kent State away more than they should have, whereas Ohio State has not struggled to put anybody away this year, and that was it. Do you weigh the fact that Notre Dame has been really, really bad since Ohio State played them? Oh, that actually is a decent <laughs> point, but, uh, I mean, not too terribly. I think Ohio State's gotten better every week since that Notre Dame game, whereas this Georgia victory was just last week. And, you know, <laughs> so based I, on the most recent data I have, Georgia is less impressive than Ohio State. So we'll get to mine in a minute. Um, but I do think that that's the deciding factor for me on the Ohio State thing. Cause I'm looking for statement wins, right? That's something we start talking about halfway through the season. I don't know why we don't start talking about it now. Because we don't know anything yet. <laughs> right. But we know what wasn't a statement win in hindsight. And yeah. I don't think it's Notre Dame win. I think it overinflates how good Ohio State looks because they only won by 11 points. It was not a route of a team that really looks like they should have been routed. Again, Marshall has a similar win over this team. Like, it's it's difficult for me to say what Ohio State have shown me based on the score lines, based on the ability to close out that game. Now, do I think Notre Dame is actively deteriorating? Yes. I think Notre Dame is the rare, beautiful thing that is like – actually getting worse as they play more football. But um, I do think it is worth thinking about. Uh, you have a notable exception, but I happen to know they come, come up later in your poll. They do. Uh, and so I will, I will wait for you to defend that or you can fully go full send on me. We're, so we're doing the, we're doing the top five. Yeah. Oh, why are you so high on Clemson, bro? Uh, Clemson, I, <laughs> I was really impressed with what they did, uh, at Wake Forest. Uh, people are going to say, oh, it's Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a good team. Like, <laughs> Sam Hartman has been there 10 years and he threw six touchdowns yesterday. That against, you know, a lesser opponent's going to be a performance that jumps into the top of the Heisman race. But Clemson just found it in their bones to win. Like, the talent gap was obvious. Wake Forest played their darn little hearts out, but Clemson had the moment. They had the switch that could flip towards late of the game where it's like, we have the dudes you don't. And <laughs> I think that's a very powerful factor as, you know, Clemson's had all blowout wins, I believe, up until this point. I don't know if their schedule memorized. There could be a clunker in there. I doubt it though. But, uh, they found their first real test on the road in Wake and, uh, 
while it was a close game, I believe that reflects highly more highly of Wake than poorly of Clemson. Because Clemson's obviously got dudes. I think that's fair. And I think if I had to think about that again, I mean, this is critical. And I think the part of the reason we're doing this is to point out flaws in polling generally. I might have caught some of that game. I don't think I watched any of it. And, like, to be fair, did I look at that scoreline? And did it affect the way I saw Clemson? Yes, because I expected Clemson to win by more, right? If I had seen the game, maybe I would have been higher on Wake Forest. But you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that all of these guys who are on these polls are actually watching every football game. No. You can't. No. And we'll, we'll get to, like, a couple outside picks later. Um, teams, I'm sure these guys have not watched play a snap. Now, have I? No. But I did at least do the work to look up what they did when they were playing football and whether or not they were worth consideration. So, without further ado, I will give my top five now. Georgia. Obviously, 4-0 has the Oregon win, which in my mind is a statement, and a route in the conference. And conference wins matter to me. They do, honest to God, matter to me. I recognize that they're going to be more rare early. But I, again, part of my philosophy is, what is the likelihood you make the playoff this year? I do not see a world in which Georgia does not make this playoff. I just genuinely think it's an inevitability. Because even if, if they play like this and all they do is lose one game, right, if they drop one to Bama, which that's not the school I would pick them to drop one to, I don't know if they, do they play Tennessee? Because that would be a scarier game for me at this point. I believe so, yeah, they're, they're in the East, both in the East. Okay, fair enough. Um, so I, I, you know, I think they can lose one and maybe even two games and still on vibes alone, this Georgia football team almost looks like an NFL team, right? I mean, that, that defense is the Georgia defense we've come to expect in recent years. I feel good about them. I wanted, I really looked for a way to rank Ohio state number one and I could not find it. Um, I think at the end of the day, and based on my back of the napkin math, this leads to a tie for number one in our, in our rankings. Is that correct? Yeah. Two in and we've already got a tie. Exactly. So I'm, I'm going to try and keep track of some of that math as we go, but split, I think, you know, UGA's win against Oregon now looks better to me than Ohio State's win over Notre Dame. Outside of Notre Dame, I'm not seeing a lot. Here's what's going for Ohio State. Probably going to win the Big Ten. And if you win the Big Ten, you're probably going to be the two seed. Right? Like, that's just how it is. Well, okay. Really- I see. I see. <laughs> so... Seems like a really easy pathway to the playoff. Uh, so that's, that's, that's why I set them at two, even though I like this Michigan team more. 
I, I, I'm genuinely high on this Michigan team. They pass every vibe check. Let me pull up some information about them. Listen, it's this a meme. Is, this is the first right? of our very big disagreements. Has Michigan beaten anybody that matters yet? Yes, because September Michigan or September Maryland is no joke. That is September true. Maryland is always a decent put together team. To the point where, again, I like the way, I like the vibe of this Michigan team more than I like the vibe of this Ohio State team. In a couple of weeks, now, to be fair, they don't play anybody for a minute, which I think is to their strength, right? They've got Penn State on the 15th of October, which is, what, a little bit more than two weeks from now? Yeah. So, also, they don't play Ohio State until the last game of the season at which point they have both reached their final form. And I think this Michigan team has more upside. I I just genuinely think Harbaugh's a more dynamic coach than Day. Harbaugh's willing to take big risks, I think, in what he's doing than Day. He adapts. You know, it's the old, do I want the guy who's making other people adapt to him, or do I want the guy who's adapting to other people? And if the Scott Frost era taught me anything, it is that you beat people by adapting to the way they play football and not the other way around. So I am I I think genuinely we cannot possibly be too hyped for November twenty-sixth watching these two teams play. Unstoppable force, immovable object. It's going to be a beautiful game already. Mark your goddamn calendars. So, uh, and like, obviously, when those two teams play, one of them will fall out of the top four. But until then, I see them as having close to, although again, I think Ohio State maybe sneaks by, right? Because again, how am I going to bet against Ohio State? This is where pull inertia affects me too, right? But like, if again, if I could, if I could, like, those three teams, honestly, are all very similar to me. Now, Justin's totally got me that they don't have a really, really good win yet. But, shut out against, no one has put up more than four scores on them. They let Maryland hang and took care of business, right? Again, if, if you're going to use that theory on Clemson and Wake Forest, I'm going to use that theory on Michigan and Maryland. I think okay. Maryland showed us more in that I, <laughs> and Michigan, it, it's not a Michigan. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that's where we split is our opinions of a uh, Maryland and Wake Forest because uh, I'm a lot more down yeah. on Maryland. Uh, they really should have lost to SMU in that uh, game they played before Michigan, you know, <laughs> but not everyone watches Maryland SMU. I don't even think I actually sat down and watched it, but just. Looking at the stats and scoreline and vibe, I, I got the idea that Maryland was in deep trouble and somehow escaped. And if you look further down in my poll, I don't really think highly of a escapes when there are teams that have not escaped. And, I, and that segues perfectly into the next team in your poll, who is a team who I use their escape against them very much. Yeah, um, this is the worst Bama's looked in a generation. Four games, four games in. Genuinely, I wanted, 
I like every bone in my body wanted to rank them lower. Except their path through the SEC is much easier than Tennessee's path through the SEC in my mind. And it's Oh yeah. And it's it's not because I think Bama is the better team. But Bama is a factory. Even in a bat, this is a terrible year for Alabama. And even in Alabama's most terrible years under Saban, this is as low as I can conscionably put them until they have actually lost a game. Because I, again, when I think about upside, this is, this is maybe where our philosophies start to contradict more, right? And I'll be the first to cop to that. But I am, so ready to drop Bama when they prove to me that they are I, what what happened in Austin? I don't know, man. That was that was wild, right? That was genuinely just bananas. Um Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself out of this now. Right? Yes. Like can I can I change this then? Absolutely. I need enough to say a word okay. about Bam and I've already convinced you to drop them. I'm actually I'm I'm dropping them spots. How many spots? How many spots? So they're going fourth sixth. I move up ten in my fourth, and I move into my fifth. Okay. So, so okay. that ruins our energy. That's true. Okay, so how do we draw out? What teams have we both ranked so far? We both ranked Georgia and Ohio State. Have we both ranked Michigan? Wait, wait, first question forehand. Should I explain all the teams above them before I get to Michigan and Alabama or just say where they are? Uh, so why don't you just give us your six through ten? All right, six through ten. You won't find those teams there. Six, Minnesota. They have not allowed very many points on them so far. They trounced Michigan State by more than the number seven team, Washington, who has a similar story. They trounced Michigan State, who I don't think is that good. But two big losses at the hands of two what I think are really good teams because they've handled business everywhere else and had a very good win against Michigan State. So who knows with them? But based on what I've seen so far, Minnesota and Washington are absolutely the sixth and seventh best team in the country. Number eight, we have USC. Blowout wins early. Closer than expected against Oregon State, but similar to Clemson. I think that says more about Oregon State than it does about USC, even though that offense did look very shaky. But it's Pac-12 after dark. Those games play by different rules. Uh, Number nine, this is... One, I did partially just because I could, and just to show how wacky and weird and quirky I am. Uh Number nine is James Madison, uh, a team that is technically not bowl or playoff eligible since this is their first full season in FBS, a rule which is absolutely terrible, by the way. It's only there to prevent uh teams from moving up a level after having one good year, which I say that's not a problem. Let them. Uh, they have beat very handily a Middle Tennessee team that trounced Miami, who's not very good, but still, for a 
you know, a Conference USA team, that shows fortitude. And they survived the App State chaos realm. Appalachian State has never played a normal game this season. Four games, all of them weird in their very own distinct ways. And if you can come out of that alive, which North Carolina also did, but North Carolina's got their own weirdness going on. James Madison's just a very normal team who got sucked into a vortex and came out the other side. If you can do that, I like you. You're number nine. Number 10 is Penn State, who just, you know, blasted Auburn, which is their main reason they're this high. But they struggled to put away uh, Central Michigan for a little bit. And uh, Auburn, I think, is legitimately just that bad. It's not a Michigan State, oh, they might have got trounced by good teams thing. No. If you watched Auburn Mizzou like I did and I loved it, that is not a team you can say is playing high level football by any stretch. So I therefore don't value the Penn State win over Auburn all that much. And similarly, number uh, 11, Oklahoma State, I, they probably should be ahead of Penn State, but the common opponent of Central Michigan, while Penn State struggled with them longer, Oklahoma State allowed more points and yards and whatnot to them. So that's what put them at 11. Man, I mean, we're, we're just memeing here with George, James Madison. And I, I, I respect it because you actually do lay out a case. But, like, yeah. I think, like, this is part of the thing where we're like, okay, we have poll votes now in our imaginary realm. We can do what we want. Um, and I also rank James Madison. I rank them lower because gut check. Um, but they I, unequivocally I, should be ranked. I don't – ninth, you know – Part of that was absolutely, hey, I got a poll, but look what I can do. But, you know, they're legitimately impressive this year. And uh, I don't see how that they don't have a top 25 resume. And you can say a team like A&M who lost to App State does. So um, we talked about, well, I guess I moved up two teams. Yes. Uh, we talked about one of them under the five. I'm actually going to talk about Clemson now, even though they're five now over Bama. Um, Clemson's the best team in the ACC. Um, this is true. Things that are also true. The ACC sucks this year, man. Like, just, I don't feel good about the ACC. I don't feel that good about Clemson. I think that, like, there are weaknesses. I think that if you want to grill me on them, feel free. But, like, I just don't – I also think that, like, realignment implications are going to hit us sooner rather than later. And leaving out this team from the playoff is the kind of decision that should be made, which is why I am happy that I moved up Tennessee into a playoff spot and not Clemson. Um because I do think that if you wanted the four best teams in the country right now, I'm not sure mine are correct, but if you really wanted the four best teams, um, it's two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. Uh, the ACC should be an afterthought. I borderline refuse to watch their games this year. We talked about moving down Bama. Seven is Kentucky, right? Um, damn, they're playing good football, and they're in the SEC. And if anybody who's not named Alabama, Georgia, or, uh, why am I having a stroke? Tennessee. Uh, if, if anyone who's not named them is going to even appear in a college, in a, uh, um, 
conference championship in the SEC, it's Kentucky. Damn, I like Kentucky. So, following that, we have USC. <sighs> I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I don't like this, but I can't not put the Pac-12 in the conversation because someone's going to have some dumbass conversation later in the year about how, hey, while all of you were sleeping, the Pac-12 was good uh, and you guys just didn't pay attention. And I think that that's fair, right? Most people are not paying that much attention to the Pac-12, uh, as they should not. It's it, it can be fun. It can be fun, but it's not generally, like, the quality of football you see throughout the day. Uh, I can totally see USC. Like, one loss USC is unranked for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, <laughs> they don't matter anymore. Because there is no chance you have to be undefeated in this iteration of the Pac-12. You have to be undefeated to get out. Yeah, that that Oregon loss to Georgia was rough <laughs> for yeah. the Pac-12 limit this year. Following that, two Big 12 teams. Because, again, can't not put them in the top ten. Um, number nine, Kansas. Yep. Number two, Kansas State. With the two-lane loss? Here's my thing. What do you have to do to get out of the Big 12? Have a Heisman candidate, which, damn, man, they might have. They might have. I'm so happy. Dude, thrilling. Absolutely thrilling. Just over the moon for that kid. Furious at a lot of other people. Um, but I was already mad about them, right? It's time to be happy for Adrian Husker fans. Right now, asking questions of, you know, could we have done more with Adrian's pretty useless. I think we all know that answer. Yeah. Right? He's a goddamn athlete. And I, this is my meme take, right? Also, hilarious to me to put the Jayhawks and Wildcats one after another in the order you would not expect. Uh, Kansas, Kansas is a good goddamn football team. Kansas is a goddamn football team. My two, like, Heisman favorites are both in the state of Kansas. Because here's the thing. If Adrian can keep pulling off those drives, that was an Adrian Martinez drive. Right? He showed up. He put the whole team on his back. He did the kind of thing we knew he could have done at Nebraska if he got out of his way. Adrian Martinez and Kansas's quarterback, whose name I'm forgetting, are the two best quarterbacks in the nation. <laughs> I mean... From what I'm... we've seen so far, have you seen a better quarterbacking performance from anyone in any of the other 49 states? As far as states go, they're absolutely the top one, too. I'm like, wow. I think uh, Kansas' Jalen Daniels has the more complete resume, but uh, Adrian had the first Heisman moment of the year of anybody besides, like, Florida's Anthony Richardson for the one week he was a thing. I also think uh, – I, I love the September Heisman. 
it's one of my favorite things before, you know, we start to weigh dumb things like team success and an individual award later on. But, uh, like, now a guy like Jalen Daniels is in play. A guy with, you know, a shaky start, like a decent start, like Adrian Martinez is in play after one huge game. After the game of his life, now he's getting some love. A guy like Hendon Hooker of Tennessee he can sling it at cornerback for them. He's he's a name to watch. These are three names you would not have put there to start the year, but the, they're my three leaders right now because it's the September Heisman. It'll get sorted out soon enough. Let's have some fun right now. These are the guys. I mean, so the reason Kansas is ahead of Kansas State is because Kansas is undefeated, and Kansas State has a loss. And I think if Kansas State wins out, or if, if Kansas is undefeated, if they go undefeated all damn year and they win the Big 12, you got to put them in the playoff. Oh, duh. I think even Kansas with a so, loss can get in. No, I don't. I don't. Because I think a one-loss SEC team or a one-loss Big Ten team is a better team than a one-loss Big 12 team. Uh, are we talking about who we think should get in or who will? Because I don't think they oh, will. I, I, I'm talking some sad amalgamation of the two. Okay. I, if it should, there are going to be one-loss Big Ten teams that are better than undefeated Big 12 teams at the end of this year. Who's in the Big 12? Who's in the Big 12? Are you high on Baylor? I ain't high on Baylor. The fact that these are the two best, like, most complete Big 12 teams is bananas. And also does not bode well for Alabama. But what are you going to do? Uh, do you have any other questions about these? Are you ready to keep on trucking? Is, is it just the moment of uh, the win against Oklahoma on the road that has put Kansas State with the loss ahead of, you know, undefeated Oklahoma State, Penn State, Washington, etc.? You could put it that way. Or you could also consider that they have had a moment which is things a thing like they have had a moment in which a single player was able to take over the game for them and close it out and close it out with time to spare. Oklahoma was buried halfway through the fourth quarter, right? Oklahoma is obviously good at football, although not as good as maybe we thought, but they are good. I think it's one of the strongest wins of the season. I think a early two lane loss can be forgiven, uh, or at least should be, right? Uh, forgiven down the stretch. I don't know, man. I, uh, I like them. Yeah. So I like the future projections a lot too, but how does the future matter when we're in week five? So no, I, I hear you. I hear you. So that being said, I'll, I'll give my takes. I think I'm going to round out my undefeateds here because like I said, they trump all non-undefeated teams and I only have like nine of them left. Uh, two of like three of which you've already talked about. Uh, at 12, I have Kentucky. They have a more impressive victory over Florida than Tennessee does. 
but they struggled with Northern Illinois. So, eh, what have you done for me lately? That's why Kentucky's at 12. 13 is Michigan. I get that September Maryland's a, a very real phenomenon, but like I said, Maryland struggles with Southern Methodist. Uh, probably not a team you should really struggle with if you're that legit. So if you buy transitive of property, that puts Michigan 13. Number 14, this is the most vibe heavy r- ranking I've got so far. Syracuse. They can, there's a difference between like struggling to put away a team and just knowing how to win ugly. Syracuse knows how to win ugly. I think two of their victories so far this year have just been downright disgusting displays of football. That's a quality I appreciate in a team. You're 14th Syracuse. That could take you places. Uh, 15 is Ole Miss, Mississippi. Uh, they haven't really shown me much either way so far. I just, you know, haven't really played nobody here because of vibes. Uh, 16, Alabama. I, I don't think Texas is very good this year. Texas Tech is who you lost to. They're making several crucial mistakes late and keeping them around in a game they had no business really being around in. <laughs> when you look at Texas, like the flashes of their talent are so like high that they should definitely be better than they are, but they just <laughs> are not a good enough team to execute. And Alabama should have lost that game in at least five different ways. And that's why they're 16. They don't have an impressive win yet. Like, they've beat, you know, bad teams impressively, but so has a lot of other people on the list. Alabama is the team on the list most, and that's why they're 16, that should have lost a game. Like, teams have struggled, but no, Alabama should have lost to Texas. If Texas makes a 21-yard field goal before the half, Alabama loses that game to Texas. That's why they're 16. 17 is Coastal Carolina, the other Sun Belt team, and one of the two undefeated group of fives. This one is actually eligible. Uh, eligible to make a bowl, I should say. Uh, they have not blown anybody out yet, but their offense is fun to watch, and I like the cut of their jib. 18 TCU. Again, they let SMU hang around more than they should have. And, uh, oh, they're, they're kind of wonky. They, get, they give me wonky vibes. Uh, 19 is NC State, also undefeated. But if East Carolina has a competent kicking game, they lose. So given that the should have lost principle, that puts them at 19. Florida State also with the should have lost principle. They tried their darndest to give it to LSU, but it turns out that, uh, LSU can't make an extra point. So that's why they're 20 and 21 UCLA, the last undefeated team and the team who tried the hardest to lose of any undefeated team against South Alabama, a team that is the worst team that any undefeated team has almost lost to. And if South Alabama doesn't have a fake field goal in field goal range that results in a sack, they win that game. So though that's the end of my undefeateds. Can you just take us to 20? Yes. Well, no, I ended at 21. Oh, perfect. Okay, I will go to 21 as well then. Uh, I don't really have any questions on that. I feel like you laid out everything I wanted to know. I won't agree with you, but, like, that is cool. Uh, Number 11, Oklahoma State. Damn, what a fun team to watch. Number 12, NC State. It felt like time for another ACC team. (laughs) Florida State. 
I needed to get as many ACC teams out of the way as possible, so I put Florida State here so I could stop thinking about them. 14, Penn State. They will not win the Big Ten. They will play a bowl game sometime late in December. Washington. Eh. You, you, that's just how I feel, honest honest to God, about Washington. Eh. 16, Minnesota. I don't like you guys, so you go here. Um, 17, Oregon. Um, damn, man, Georgia took your soul. So I can't take you seriously because you wouldn't make the playoff. 18, Ole Miss. Hey, that's a Mississippi team. Probably good at football. 18, 19, James Madison. When Justin sent me his ranking, I had to look up James Madison and see what they had done. Damn, they're, uh, you know, pretty dang good. They, they played some football this year. They don't matter. So there is another 19. Uh, App State. Cause screw you. That's a fun team. That's why. Like, I don't, I don't need to defend this decision to you. Uh, two loss App State has a better chance of making the playoff than anyone who follows them in this list. I, I agree that by your criteria, I am confident on App State winning a playoff game. More than a decent chunk of the top 25. <laughs> yep. Cause we already know Oregon has no shot against a playoff quality team. You can't say yeah. that about App State. App State will drag you into their world and then it's just a 20 sided dice roll. Yep. Yep. App State's playing Dungeons and Football. Um, can I just finish out here? Go for it. Cuse, because I like the way I get to write Cuse. Um, and also because, damn, I mean, what is Syracuse doing? Nothing after 15 matters at all. So it's important to just give it to schools who will be super happy if you give it to them. Cuse. BYU. I don't think that they should be allowed to have 30-year-olds on their team. Baylor. Man, Baylor suck, but you gotta have another Big 12 team somewhere around here. 24, Texas A&M. You seem like you could be good, but you lost to App State, so you're 24. Texas Christian University. I put Texas Christian University as 25th, because are they undefeated? Yes. They're undefeated, and because I wanted to type out all of Texas Christian University, and then say it as many times as I possibly could on the podcast. Texas Christian University. Do you want to give us your last few? Yes. So my philosophy for the last four, again, I wasn't so sure what to do with one-loss teams given, you know, I'm trying to look at it from my uh, previously laid-up framework, but I decided the best interpretation of that would be the teams that have played the best against the highest, the higher-rated teams. So that leaves me with 22 3-1 Wake Forest, who, you know, Clemson just made one or two plays they didn't, but that means that Wake Forest is, you know, one or two plays ahead of every other one-loss team. Uh, Pitt, who had a very good showing against Tennessee, but just ran out of steam late. 24, Oregon State, who, you know, couldn't quite get it done against USC, but they proved that Corvallis is a very scary place to play. So go Beavs. And 25, just because I had to, based on my philosophy, this was the spot I anguished over the most, honestly, was 25. But I settled on 3-1 Duke 
I know you almost lost to a terrible Northwestern team, but dang it, you had a chance to beat Kansas, who I think is number four. So by my logic, you're 25th Duke. This will sort itself out sooner or later. I dig it. I dig it. Um, man, what have we learned today? Polls are stupid. Yep. So we made a stupider one. I feel kind of dumb. Um, but I imagine this is how people feel when they submit their ballots. Yes. Even more so in the coaches, Paul. Like, cause <laughs> coaches have even less time to think of this than people right. with, you know, jobs that revolve around this. Like, <laughs> right. They actually got to go do the football. Also, never in a million years would someone say because you are good at football means you are good at analyzing football. Like, that is just – that is a bad way to think about who's good at – like, I I have been on about this in, like, every sector of my life because this philosophy keeps coming up. Practitioners of things are not the best people to analyze those things. Analysts analyze. People who are good at looking at a situation and saying, I understand what is going on here, and I can tell you. And I can defend why I made that decision. Right? There is... I'm going to go on a really weird tangent, folks. But I promise There is a celebrity chef. He was the first celebrity chef. His name is Marco Pierre White. He got famous in the 80s because a guy took some photos of him smoking, and he was really hot in the 80s. He's now this, like, fat kind of, like, just, like, over-swollen, like, wine-filled, crazy British man. Uh, and he did a few commercials for that the narrows chicken. it down. For, yeah, I mean, but he did a few commercials for the chicken bullion maker, Nor. Now, this guy has won literally combined, like, 30 Michelin stars, and I think has had, like, five Michelin, like, three-star restaurants, right? Legend. God, this man is, for two reasons, really bad at this. One, he's making infomercials telling you you should use tasteless chicken powder. And two, he's getting everything about food science wrong as he goes. He literally does not correctly articulate why you should sweat an onion. He doesn't know why he's doing anything. He just knows what he's doing. And then you make him talk about it, and he can't. Because he is a practitioner. He is not an analyst. Now, take a look at Alton Brown. I've never seen Alton Brown cook anything and think, that looks exquisite. Maybe it looks good, but not like, oh, wow, Alton really wowed me here. It's not Alton's job to wow me. It's Alton's job to tell me about food science when I'm a sick 10-year-old lying in bed watching daytime TV. That is Alton's job. This ends the rant. Coaches should not vote. Yeah, that's something I've kind of been thinking of a bit too, is uh, I agree in some senses of that. I think that uh, at the high end, unless you are just an absolute student of tape and uh, – <laughs> you have done extensive work into a football theory and know like concepts and zone schemes and whatnot, then you can be in this. But I think the way to truly know 
why a team won a certain game or why a team matches up better against another team. You have to have played or coached in some uh, capacity to truly know the reason why they won beyond they were just better. However, this does not mean you are automatically better at analyzing it. Have Sometimes vibes beat math. But so even if you don't truly know, you you can just like get the sense of I have seen patterns like this before in this team, and that leads you to believe they will do this tonight rather than I have seen this uh concrete schematic reason why this team will do well tonight. I think the the latter is the objectively better analysis, but does not always uh lend itself to the correct result. And I will also add that uh, a lot of former players and coaches who in football, I see this more in basketball than in football, but it's there in football too. And I assume baseball and all other sports too. They're going to rank their friends, people they know, people have they have connections to. They're going to talk them up higher because they know and have some sort of relationship with those people. So there is bias going into former player and former coach analysis almost always. So while I do think they do truly know what is going on, I don't think that actually makes them better. But I will say they know it. Yeah, man. I'm with you. We are up against time. I think we have both shared final thoughts. Um, We're going to lose to Indiana, aren't we? Oh, probably. (laughs) And if we do win, everyone's going to freak out, but they shouldn't. No. Indiana was up until... Last did they play and lose last week? I forget what happened to them. I I pay more attention to Indiana football than most, and even I can't tell you what they just did. But they had three incredibly close wins against bad teams to start the year, and they lost last week, I believe, to a team who was better than them, who I don't remember. So <laughs> they're not good. Neither really is Nebraska. But coming off a of bye week and playing a, a fellow basement dweller at home with now three weeks under Camp Mickey has a better outlook than uh, Oklahoma did, certainly. So it's realistic to win, but this is just going to be a game full of wacky hijinks. All right. Good pod. <laughs>